0: You're listening to the bear report podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming providing extensive coverage of the Chicago bears for the bear report website. The podcast is powered by overtime media. Now here's Zach and Aaron.
1: And welcome in, Bears fans, to the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, as we continue to count down the days until the start of the 2019 regular season. We are in week three of the preseason, And believe it or not. Uh, after the first two games against the uh, Panthers and Giants, both losses, the Bears are heading to Indianapolis on uh, Saturday night to take on the Colts for their third preseason game of the year. Aaron, man, how are you feeling over these past couple weeks now that we're inching closer and closer to the start of the regular season?
2: I'm so ready for the regular season, man. I Oh, my God, I hate preseason, especially with what it is right now with the Bears. And I mean, even I you mean, know, you just mentioned the, the Colts game on Saturday. It's like the, the Colts just came out and said that they're not going to play any of their starters either. I mean, it's just – it's becoming a league wide trend and especially for a team like the bears where they're, they're established. I mean, we know what the roster is going to look like. We know who all 22 starters are, 23, if you want to count, you know, nickel. Um, So it's like, I mean, there's just no, there's no mystery as to what's going on. And Nagy, along with multiple other coaches, including Sean McVay, who kind of started this last year, would rather not take any chances in the preseason with playing guys in meaningless games and for meaningless snaps and would rather do things in a more controlled environment. So, I don't know, man. It's just like it, it's one of those. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm sitting there watching that game last Friday. And it's just like, why? Why am I watching this? Like, why? Why is this even a thing? Like, I, I, it, it was honestly probably one of the most boring Bears events I've ever sat through. And that's saying quite a bit because usually I can at least stay interested in, you know, preseason games to a certain extent. But I mean, I don't know about you, but that game is terrible.
1: Yeah, they looked uh, uninterested. <laughs> they looked like they didn't want to be in New York playing this game. Um, you know, obviously it was majority of the second, third stringers, and you know, like you said, there's not many roster spots left. So I think you know a couple of the guys that were fighting for maybe the three or four spots that are left. Maybe more interested and, and wanted to play someone like um, James Vaughters or Clifton Duck. But, man, overall, they just looked uninterested. They looked like they didn't want to be there. And it wasn't even like, oh, we'll just go through the motions. It was like they struggled to go through the motions. And I'm with you, man. It was so painful. Like, I was so ready to watch it. Uh, just driving home, getting ready for the game on Friday. And then, you know, they come out and just pretty much lay an egg. And, and man, Chase Daniel and Tyler Brave just looked awful out there. Like, You know, I want to get to this more later on when we do talk about the um, upcoming game against the Colts, but God, you know, it's a pretty obvious statement here. If the bear, if Trubisky goes down, the bears are definitely in trouble.
2: Well, but, and I think that's kind of something that I'm I'm glad you said that because there's been a lot of people, especially after the, well, in the game on, you know, in the middle of the game, more the point on Friday and even Saturday and Sunday and a little bit trickling in this week, it's like. A lot of people keep saying that, and I agree, but again, I mean, we're we're talking about backup quarterbacks here. I I understand that there may be a few backups in the league. You know, Nick Foles was just, I mean, that's just not going to happen all the time. I'm sorry, it's just simply not going to happen. You know, a lot of people can point to that. They can point to, uh, let's just say Blake Bortles is somebody who can come in and do, you know, certain things or but. But the reality is, right, there's not 32 good quarterbacks in this league. So if there's not 32 good quarterbacks in the league, then I think it's unrealistic to expect that the Bears should have a quarterback that can play at a similar caliber um, to their starting quarterback. Despite what Jason Fora thinks, which he's said multiple times, he thinks Chase Daniels is a better quarterback. But,
1: that's an all-time tweet right there that is yeah, an all-time tweet
2: par for the course of that dude though i mean really if we're being honest i mean the guy just i he doesn't have a clue but again you know we're, we're talking about a backup quarterback we're talking about a guy in chase daniel who has not started many games at all um, he's been a career backup he has value because he knows the system if he needs to come in we saw him last year i mean this isn't a mystery this isn't something like he didn't play at all last year and And, you know, we don't know what to expect. Like, he wasn't very good last year um, in either game, really. But he did well enough, and especially if the defense is at the same caliber, I think that they could get by for a game or two, much like they did last year. I'm not going to freak out over one preseason game. But at the same time, it's like if Trubisky, let's just say Trubisky pulls a Garoppolo and goes down in week four, yeah, the Bears season's over with. But that's the same with any other team. I mean, just look at what happened with the 49ers last year. Obviously, they had other injuries, but, I mean, they had C.J. Bethwood that played a little bit, and then they had Nick Mullen who came in. Mullen, mullens so I can't remember. Either way, he came in, actually looked pretty good. I mean, if we're being honest, and granted, it's only preseason, I mean, he looked he looked better last year than Jimmy Garoppolo looks in the preseason game on Monday night. That was, that was. Oh,
1: of- dude, he was awful on that preseason game Monday night. Uh, Garoppolo for the, um, uh, the yep. 49ers.
2: What did he, he completed, like, what was it? Two passes. Did he, it was passes did he complete a yards. pass? Maybe it was, one, it was one pass for zero yards or two passes for zero yards. But, yeah, he completed it. was like a dump off to uh, – I think it was Matt Breida. Matt Breida got tackled. I thought he lost a yard, but maybe they just made it zero yards. It was, I mean, so was
1: bad. It, it was bad. Uh, and uh, Kyler Murley was another one that had really bad – um game I didn't realize how bad he was until I went back and looked at the box score after the uh hard knocks episode last night and granted I mean, Murray, Murray's a rookie and he's number one overall pick I think he's still trying to figure things out and he'll he'll be fine but it's like man we've seen a lot of bad in the preseason but ironically enough Mike Clinton was actually good for the Raiders um against the uh Arizona Cardinals the other night Did, have you been watching any of the uh hard knocks
2: I have. I actually didn't get to watch the one last night. So what I will say is, being an Oklahoma fan, though, on the, on the topic of Kyler Murray, I'm not remotely surprised. Again, it's preseason. I mean, you can't jump to too many conclusions. But, I mean, one, he wasn't he wasn't the best player in the draft. I don't even know if he was the best quarterback in the draft. I mean, I, this is a bad quarterback class, in my opinion. But I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I think that the difference between Baker Mayfield and Kyler, Kyler Murray is a much better athlete. But he's not even close to the same caliber of a quarterback. He's not close to the same caliber of a leader. And this is coming from somebody who watched every snap that Baker Mayfield ever had at Oklahoma and watched every snap that Kyler Murray had at Oklahoma as well. I mean, they're just I, – I I think sometimes we forget in situations like Kyler Murray where just because the guy went one overall, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as like Solomon Thomas. I mean, just because he went number three overall – doesn't mean that he's going to be as good as where he got drafted. And I think that's kind of the same thing as Murray. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player, but I, I think the combination of that and still, I mean, the Cliff Kingsbury hire to me never really made sense. I think Arizona, uh, their organization as a whole is kind of a dumpster fire. I think it's run by borderline incompetent people, and I just I, I don't think that's going to go well. But on the top of hard knocks, I actually, I don't know, at least to me, I've been pretty entertained by it. I didn't see the, the, the third... Pre, the, the third episode or whatever, but I mean, between everything else that's going on, I mean, John Gruden, even out of the booth is still, you know, a, just a perfect personality for that. And I don't know, I'm enjoying it, but maybe I think I've actually, I will say this, I've got more enjoyment out of watching hard knocks and I've got out of watching Bears preseason football so far.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's a good point because Bears preseason football has been really boring. Hard knocks has been, you know, at least somewhat entertaining, even though we pretty much all are following the Antonio Brown saga through NFL Network and ESPN, so we kind of know um, what's going on. But yeah, I mean, Hard knocks hasn't been bad. It hasn't been good. It hasn't been the best season I've watched. I don't even know if it's, you know, been close to second best season, but it's just something that kind of carry us over um, into the regular season, and uh, on this episode of the podcast, though, we're going to break down a couple of things that happened today, um, some Bears-related news, uh, more kicker stuff with a new article that came out today, and then we'll give you a little bit of a preview um, for Saturday's preseason game against Indianapolis. Before we do all that, we're going to get a quick ad read right here. Um, the regular season is right around the corner, and while we all know it's easy money betting the Bears to crush the Packers on opening night, most bets are much harder and require far more knowledge of the NFL landscape. That's where Razor Sport comes in. Razor Sport uses exclusive, proven algorithms with a stable of assets. When you sign up with Razor, you're guaranteeing yourself the one-of-a-kind, world-class betting advantage that the average gambler just can't get. Here's the best part: just for being a listener of the Bear Report, you can experience Razor Sport free today without spending a dime all you have to do is go to razorsport.com right now for a free razors members trial they win they prove it now it's time you win that's razorsport r a z e r .com razorsport.com sign up right now free and start winning like the pros today
0: the old west is an iconic period of american history i'm chris wimmer Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.
1: Aaron, let's get right into it now on... um Something we're going to kind of call a rundown. We're kind of testing this out on the podcast, so bear with us. But we're pretty much going to give you three headlines of Bears-related news that have happened over the past couple of days. We'll give our quick thoughts on them. Um, you know, Some might be a little funny. Some might be serious stuff. Some might be contract stuff. Um, with that, let's actually get into one of the contract ones. Aaron, when we woke up today, we saw a tweet. I believe it was Field the 8s had it um, about the uh, restructuring of uh, Charles Leno Jr.'s base salary into a signing bonus um the move will create 5.6 million dollars in cap space i know you said the bears are at what with this move they're at 21.5 million
2: yeah according to the nflpa's uh latest projection as of this morning and, and i think it should be pointed out too uh i don't know how many people follow him on twitter he's really really intelligent guy seems to keep a pretty good eye on things Bearissimo. Uh uh on Twitter uh, actually was the one who pointed it out this morning. He was paying attention to the waiver wire and and just the transaction wire in general and saw that he basically Leno had restructured his deal. What I find interesting about this, well, there's multiple things and we'll get into all that. The one thing I find really interesting though, is the bears actually added two voidable years onto his contract. And that was uh, courtesy of uh, Brad. I don't even know his last name. And we talk to him all the time. Uh, I, I, I,
1: over the From Over the Cap, right?
2: Yeah, Over the Cap. Yeah. He's also he, – we write together uh, with the Blitz Network as well. Great cap dude, uh, really knows his stuff. But he actually was the one who pointed out that there was two voidable years added on to the end of Charles Leno's deal, which I think is set to expire, and I want to say 2021. Uh, what I find interesting about that is they did that, so they were able to – Break out the the you know so basically what happens when you restructure a deal like that or when you you know convert that into a signing bonus is you can spread that over the life of a contract as long as it's under uh well five years or under so in the case of what the Bears say, they converted um what was it like. Seven million. I have to look exactly. I think I I want to say it was like right around seven million because you still have to have a base salary, and that is based on years of service. And I want to say that he was in like the second to the highest tier. So you take whatever it was converted. Let's just say seven million, and instead of breaking it out into three years like he originally had on this contract, where you're still going to have that, it's basically a prorated thing where it still counts against the cap. So you know, seven divided by three, which would be roughly what two point three three million. That would be added on to the cap hit so it's less savings and it's also more dead money in the future that you would have to deal with, uh, especially going into next year. What I found interesting is because they made it five years into the three, they were able to save not only more money this year but lessen the dead cap hits moving forward, which I think is a smart idea because, I mean, really the voidable year just means – um, you know in the basically in that first voidable year they're gonna you know the, the contract void out the contract was done anyway and there'll be a slight dead cap hit but you're also expecting the CBA to change around that point you're also expecting the cap to probably be 20 30, 40 million dollars higher at that point. I guess long story short, I just think that was actually a really smart move by Ryan Pace and it's something that he seems to be developing in terms of these voidable years over the last few years he did the same thing with Buster screen um, where you know you can you can move different things around to where, it kind of lessens how much like you're paying when you're when you pay a signing bonus out like in terms of actual cash, like let's say it's a seven seven million dollar signing bonus you're physically paying it out the Bears will pay it out on a certain date usually anywhere from three to five days after it's signed but in terms of how the cap hit is structured and how the dead money falls the more years that you spread it out the less dead money there is and you know in a in a yearly span and two it lessens the the overall cap hit. So that's just something Ryan Pace has been doing, and I think it's really smart. And it kind of goes back to him talking about how they have a plan. They know what they're doing. They, they're fully aware of what their cap situation is looking like the next few years. It's going to do nothing but get tighter. But these kind of moves right here are very smart because, again, I mean even a million, million and a half here and there and what they've been doing, and plus they can roll over whatever money they don't use. It's just a smart move.
1: Yeah, and those uh, avoided years are twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. I agree with you. And you look back to Paces' time uh, with New Orleans. New Orleans seems to be one of those teams that always has problems with the cap space, mm-hmm. but they always find a way, just you know, to make to make it work, whether it's restructuring deals, moving money around, um, things like that. It's just kind of something he picked up in his time with the Saints. You know, the other thing on this move, um, it just kind of signals that extension for um, Cody Whitehair is coming. I know. You know, it's been kind of talked about leading up into the season. I'm kind of shocked we haven't heard about it yet. And now this move coming almost two weeks before the start of the regular season, I have a feeling we're going to see um, some news break probably next week that the Bears have uh, agreed to an extension with Cody Whitehair um, to keep him around here longer. I'll uh, probably hear that before next or yeah, next Thursday their final preseason game. But you know, you and I were talking, and you kind of brought up a good point. You know, you don't kind of clear that much money. So we're at $21.5 million now for just one move. So I'm interested to see um, – I know who you think is going to be extended, but why don't you tell the viewers what, what kind of your prediction is in addition to um, Whitehair?
2: Well, I think there's there's two main candidates, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to kind of counter the one here because we've talked about this before, so we both know how we feel here. But one of them is obviously Danny Trevathan. I don't know – I mean it, it's one of those situations where it's almost going to have to be like a Bobby Masson deal. He's a veteran – he's getting up there in age, he's still a valued member of the defense, he's one of the leaders on you know the top defense in the league, but at the same time, they can't really afford to pay him $78 million a year, so I think it's going to have to be one of those team-friendly deals, but he's one of those guys that could make sense, because again, when you extend somebody like that, you can put the signing bonus in a certain way, and not only can you add a little bit of money onto the cap hit this year to his existing deal, but you could also lessen the cap hits and, and you know in the following years, and so he was the one that would probably make the most sense to me. Uh, the other one that could make some sense, and I know this is where you're probably going to have, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a opinion <laughs> would be Chase Daniel. Um, you know, obviously the the money and all that stuff, but I he's the only other one I could think. I mean, uh, unless I'm missing somebody, I mean, those are really the only players because you're not going to extend Ha Ha Clint Biggs. I mean, you haven't seen the guy play a regular season game.
1: Yeah, no. The only thing I, I agree with Treveth. The only thing, like I told you, is is. Daniel, I think they're actually going to ask him to take a pay cut just because he's been, su- you know, he's been paid to pretty much be um, a mind in that quarterback room. You know, we talked about the open up the show. He's not very good. You can't rely on him for probably more than one to two games in a season. So I wonder if he will kind of take a pay cut to stay with the team next year. Um And maybe be that mind in it. The other room, kind of not to go too far off the path here, I'll say it really quickly. I kind of wish the Bears had a younger quarterback, just like a developmental guy. Maybe they took him like the sixth, seventh round just to throw out there in the preseason and someone we could actually maybe get excited about as a backup or someone they could develop as a third stringer. But that's a story for another podcast. Um, yeah, I think we're in agreement with Trevathan. Obviously, down the line, you to have to pay Eddie Jackson. You're going to have to pay Tariq Cohen. And, you know, you'll find out this year if you have to pay Mitchell Trubisky. So there will be a lot of interesting moves for the Bears to make, um, specifically Ryan Pace over the next couple of years. And we'll just have to keep an eye on this cap situation um, as we go on. The other news from today, uh, a little more recent that happened this afternoon, um, the Arizona Cardinals, they released Kevin White. Kevin White. Let's the Bears down again because now the Bears are not projected to get that fourth round uh comp pick for next year's draft. White was cut. He's he's healthy, his injuries looks like he's recovered from his injury. And uh it's a little shocking too because um if you look, I believe they let's see, the Cardinals is it Hakeem Butler that was uh hurt the other day in uh in during a game. And yeah. uh they yeah, they are their rookie wide receiver, they expect to miss some time, so yeah, I don't, you know, obviously White did have that injury, but, you know, it just he just could never put it together in Chicago. Now it looks like, you know, I don't know when we'll hear from him next. I mean, I'm sure someone will give him one more chance. But, yeah, that the biggest story with the Bears is that comp pick.
2: Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part. <clears throat> Didn't even really know this is a scenario until I think it was, what, last week when Nick, I think his last name is Nick Court uh, from, also from over the cap pointed out because the Bears were is basically a five to four ratio in terms of they had lost five guys and signed four. Um, and that was the reason that they were going to be able to cash in on the Adrian Amos comp pick. But unfortunately, with Kevin White getting cut, I mean, there's. I guess there's a chance, probably not a high chance, but there's a chance that he could they, they could end up signing him um, and then the other aspect of that, which I don't think is going to happen at all because it just makes no sense, and I don't think the Bears really valued comp picks that much, was uh, that they could either cut Ha Ha Clinton Dix, which I highly doubt going to happen, or they could cut Mike Davis, which again I highly doubt going to happen, and then they could get back in the green. So the only other factor that would. F- that would be in play would be uh, if Eric Cush and Brian Wittsman started, I think it would be eight to 10 games. Then it could factor into where they could get that pick back. But I mean, I feel bad for Kevin White. Um, I've said it for a few years now, though. I mean, the guy's just not built to play football. He's not built to play professional football in the NFL. I mean, there's just some people who aren't some people who aren't. I mean, you, you can't be injured every year, And not have durability issues. I mean, yes, some of this stuff's been freak stuff, but I mean, other stuff is just, I mean, he gets hit and his bones break. And obviously that's not the case with this, but it's unfortunate because obviously the Bears burned a seventh overall pick on the guy. He got hurt. He got hurt again. Uh, They finally, I don't even know why they kept him on the roster last year, but they finally let him go. He signed to the Cardinals looked like it was, you know, at least going to pay off for the Bears in terms of getting a fourth-round comp pick because of him and all of a sudden now he's off the roster so it's just, you know, just one more way for Kevin Kevin Mike to to let down Bears fans. And again, I'm not making light of him being injured, but it's one of those situations where when you look at the overall spectrum of he was quite possibly one of the biggest busts in Chicago Bears history and, and a, a lot of that wasn't his fault with injuries, but when you compare that and then you look at it and say, well, at least they'll be able to get a, a fourth round comp pick because the Cardinals gave them, you know, enough money to where, it, it, you know, it, it factors in. And then all of a sudden, here we are. And now the Bears aren't going to get a fourth round comp pick. So now they're down a fourth round pick um, because of the deal for David Montgomery and the, with the Patriots. And now they have, what is it? They have the, the fifth round pick that they, they have their own fifth round pick and then they have a conditional fifth round pick from the Raiders and then the, the conditional six along with their own six. I mean they have plenty of ways to move back and do different things, but I mean you can never argue with having even a conditional fifth that's basically or fourth that's basically a fifth. I mean it's still a value and unless something crazy happens, I mean the Bears are just gonna go another year without getting a comp pick.
1: Yeah, um yeah, it's you know to kind of touch on your point about the Eric Cush and Witzman. I think Cush is actually listed as a starter. I think he's going to be the starter this year for Cleveland, so that'll be something to kind of um, monitor because I could see him playing or starting the eight games. Uh, that's kind of like the under the radar move. I really didn't even factor in him or Witzman um, into the equation. But yeah, you know to go with the whole Kevin White thing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's not his fault that he couldn't stay healthy, and and the guy had potential. Remember, there was a time. I mean. There was a debate going up to the draft who was the better wide receiver, Kevin White or Amari Cooper. When you watched Kevin White at West Virginia, man, you know the ability to turn you know a quick short pass into a long touchdown with his breakaway speed was just. I remember watching him for the Mountaineers and it it, it was fascinating, and uh, it just you know it never panned out um, for for the Bears or Kevin White. And now um, he has cut from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, let's let, we'll get into our final and third topic in this breakdown. Let's hit a quick break, really quick, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. We're in the middle of our rundown, three topics that we're giving you that happened today or in recent time about the Chicago Bears. I just got done talking about um, the restructuring of Charles Leno's contract to free up some more space. And also the news today that Kevin White is cut from Arizona, likely cost of the Bears a um, fourth-round comp pick. Aaron, I did want to touch one more thing on Kevin White. I forgot it. I know I told you there was something else. Yeah, I don't. You're not cutting Mike Davis and Ha Clinton-Bix. I'll just throw that out there. That's yeah. I know you agree too. That's not going to happen. Yeah,
2: the Bears have uh, uh, clearly they weren't worried about comp or else they would have been a little smarter with some of their signings. I mean, that's just really great.
1: That's a great point actually. Um, yeah. Let's get into our final one here on the rundown, the third and final topic. Um, you know, aside from the Charles Leno's Leno news, the other hot topic and big story that came out today, um, it was a piece from Kaylin Kaler who writes for sports illustrated uh, does a good job over there. And she wrote this article um, titled madness at 43 yards it was kind of an inside look at this Chicago Bears kicking competition from when Cody Parkey double-doinked, sorry guys for bringing it up, to um, kind of where we stand now with Eddie Pinero being the lone guy on the roster and the competition maybe not being over with um, just yet. Aaron, you've read it. I went through it. i read it. Um, I thought it was good. It it was certainly interesting because I could definitely. I saw some banter back and forth. I'll say this. I saw some banter back and forth on Twitter. Um, some people thought maybe it was just sour grapes from the kickers that didn't make it. Um, some people, you know, were like, what the hell are the Bears doing? And what the hell is this Jamie Cole guy doing? Um, I'm kind of in the middle. I could see both sides. I'm not going to pick a side on it because I think there's valid points on both arguments. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but, you know, we did have Spencer Evans on our podcast, and, and, you know, he told us a lot of stuff about that kicking competition um, and how it went and how his experience went. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the point remains, as it stands now, we're still talking about this kicker competition. It's, what, August 21st that we're recording it. Um, it's August – it'll be August 22nd, 23rd by the time everyone hears it. We're two weeks away from week one, and the kicker still takes center stage.
2: Well, I, here's my thing, right, is that you obviously, you know, we've both read the article. If you haven't read the article, I would definitely recommend reading it because it was a very good, very good in-depth look on multiple. I mean, multiple views from long snapper to kickers, um, even to just some outside views of how the Bears are handling the situation. Here's my thing, right, is you've had four different kicking tryouts you had the one when you when you signed redford jones you had the one when you signed uh, chris Blewett. you had the other one when you signed elliot fry and then you had the rookie minicamp where you had eight technical but i want to say there was nine because that the kajelnik or whatever his name was the guy that was a punter um that also did some kicking so in total you've had over 20 kickers in the building this offseason right you've you signed what is it five, six? Six guys, I want to say six. Yeah, that would be six, or maybe five. Either way, yeah. Five or uh,
1: six. So, so, yeah, it, Fry, Pinero, three. Um, yeah,
2: had uh, Baron.
1: Baron, four.
2: Uh, Redford Jones.
1: Jones, yeah. So five, right?
2: Yeah. So I mean that, and that's so that's my thing. Like, you've had five different guys on contract. You've had over 20 kickers in the building, and these aren't all just no names. I mean, they had, and I don't know. It, it seems like a lot of people have kind of forgot this. Like they had Kai Forbat. Then at one point, I mean, I think he was in the, I think he was in the tryout when, uh, when they did all the AAF kickers. He he randomly came in. So you've had over 20 kickers in the building. You've had Jamie Cole, who's supposedly this kicking guru that continues to bring his guys in the mix. I mean, most of the guys that have stuck on the roster, Cliff, Cliff Blewett, or Cliff Blewett, Chris Blewett was one of them. Uh, the same thing with, uh, I think it was, I can't remember if Redford Jones was, or Redford Jones was, but I know Elliott Fry had spent some time with him and the same thing with uh, Eddie Pinheiro. I mean, what has it gotten so far? I mean, you got one guy that you basically kept on your roster and Elliot Fry, who you knew never had a leg. I mean, we all knew that. And that's the thing, like the Bears clearly knew it or else they would have given him a better opportunity. It's like, realistically, he may have kicked a little bit better. But it's like when you're actually looking at it, and I mean, it's it's clear that he was never actually going to be an option. So it was more one of those. Well, they wanted to push, uh, you know, Eddie Pinheiro. All of a sudden, now you got a situation where Eddie Pinheiro has been somewhat vocal about the fact that he doesn't really feel like there's been much consistency with the with the practice reps and what he's been doing. So. Now you're giving him the practice reps. He's still not perfect, but he was, what, 7 for 8 today was what was reported? Um, Uh, That
1: that was yesterday. So he was 7 for 8 yesterday. Um, Was he? Yeah, because we can't really essentially report until Matt Nagy um, talks. So when he talked, I believe I want to say it was either Arthur Arkish or um, Mark Rohde had it, that it was like – it was 7 for 8 from yesterday.
2: So either way, the the point being is, I mean – you can you can feel how you want. I mean, it's all opinion at this point, but at least with my stances, again, you brought in over 20 kickers. You've had different, five different guys sign to the roster. You traded a conditional pick for a kicker, and yet you still don't have it figured out. I mean, we're, we're recording this podcast on August 21st. We're starting tomorrow. We're going to be two weeks away from the season opener. Yep. The Bears are not remotely closer to figuring out their kicking situation. Honestly, if we're being completely honest, at least on paper— the Bears had a better kicking situation with Cody Parkey than they do right now because at least you know what you're getting out of Cody Parkey. And that's and that's kind of – so that's that's my bigger issue is that it's like after all this time and who knows. Pinheiro may come out the next two games. I think if he comes out and he, he kicks well and he doesn't miss a kick, I think he's probably going to get the job. But that's still a lot to expect, especially when the offense has been so damn terrible with both Chase Daniel and, and Tyler Bray. I'm sure we're going to see Tyler Bray for the majority of the fourth game, so – it's just one of those situations. So now you're back in the same position where you're you going to trade for another guy like a Joey Sly, who's looked really good preseason. But again, we don't know. I mean, they, we already know. It's been reported by multiple outlets that the Bears attempted to trade a conditional fifth-round pick for Kari Bedbeck. We already know that. That's already out there. So clearly they haven't been comfortable this entire time. There's been nothing but reports, even after uh, you know, even after Elliot Fry was cut, there was multiple reports saying this is not remotely close to being over. They just knew that they didn't want Elliot Fry, so now they're going to give Eddie Pinheiro the last two games. But the thing is, is if he comes out, and misses a kick or two uh, on Saturday. Then obviously he's not the guy in that one. Then then you're going to be forced to trade for another another guy that you don't really know about, and a Joey Sly or maybe even the what's his name, Cole Headland from uh, the the Colts, or you're going to go and sign a guy like uh, Matt Bryant. I mean really like this I I'm not saying that there wasn't a there was a ton of options but again it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to argue against this being a complete clown show at this point because again they brought in a ton of kickers they've had multiple kickers on the roster they've cut multiple kickers they've gone through all this it's been a media charade and all this other stuff and they're no closer to figuring it out than they were in January when they originally signed uh, Redford Jones to a futures deal
1: Yeah. A lot of good points there. And I agree. I mean, you look at it like someone said on Twitter today, I forgot who it was. I I can't find the tweet right now, but you feel good about 52 of the 53 positions right now. Um, Granted, there is three maybe roster spots at the bottom, you know, for depth that you would, you know, you see some players fighting for that might be available. Other than that, man, I mean, like, the the kicker position, you could say what you want about Mitchell Trubisky and and his steps and in, in, in progress, but, like, at least you feel good, like, at least you know what you got. You don't know what you got from Eddie Panero, because you haven't seen him kick in a live game this year. Like, outside of preseason where he's already missed a kick, you haven't seen him kick in a regular season game. You haven't seen him kick in, in you know, conditions at Soldier Field or, or anywhere else. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the you see Sunday the Bears make the move to release Elliot Fry and. Right away, you're thinking, okay, Eddie Panero won the job. But has he won the job? No, he just he just beat out Elliott Fry. That's it. Uh, Matt Nagy would pretty much said, yeah, we're open to bringing in other kickers if there's better options available, which you know tells everyone, yeah, we're not 100 percent sold on Panero because while he does have the bigger leg, he was also inconsistent at training camp and throughout the preseason. I mean, he had the only perfect day um, so far, which was Family Night, but that's only been one perfect day since camp opened up in what late july and how many practices have there been there's been 20 21 maybe close to 20 practices so far um you know including going back to house hall for these past two weeks now so yeah it's just you you don't feel good about i hope i'm wrong you and i both were on the panero train we both said we we think he's gonna win this job um he's got his chance we'll say he's definitely got his chance um and and he actually i i do want to say something though because Looking at the quotes from um, when he talked to the media on, what was it, Sunday, I believe, um, I forgot who it was, someone asked him about his technique and, and working with Jamie Cole, um, and he did say, I'm trying to find the quote, but he did say he changed his technique a little bit, um, and he said that Cole did help him change his technique, and it's, and it's definitely helped him out um, this, you know, this off season and, and going into this competition. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Just my right hash steps, just lining up my target line, stuff like that. My walk-offs on my field goals. I've always had the leg strength. My power and my swing has always been good. Lining my steps, lining up my steps and doing little techniques, stuff like that. Um, a lot of different kickers work on Jamie Coles helped me out a lot with that. I, I I don't that's, know I, if we can really tell the difference right away, but, I mean, it, that's encouraging to me that he's actually trying to improve his technique.
2: I, I guess, I mean, but that's well fine. But, again, he he beat out a guy that was never going to make the roster. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Elliot Fry was never going to be the kicker for the Bears unless all of a sudden him and Eddie Pinheiro switched legs. I mean, that was just – that was what it was. I mean, you could combine the two kickers together – you probably had a decent NFL kicker there, but the, and that's kind of the thing. That, that's the unknown with Eddie Pinheiro is that, okay, you're changing your technique, but at what point is are you going to show consistency? Because, again, I mean, I, my personal opinion, I think if he misses another kick for the rest of the offseason, uh, or sorry, the rest of the preseason, he's gone, regardless. Uh, I'm still not even sure that if – even if he comes out and, and kicks, let's just say, two or three field goals a game and he's perfect – Unless he has some like fancy fifty, you know, fifty-five, fifty-seven yarder, I still think the Bears have their eye on somebody else. There's just there's too much smoke around, too many connected people saying the Bears. There's a good chance that the Bears kicker is not currently on the roster. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of uh, recency bias, just because of how uneven the kicking competition has been and how uneven pinheiro has been. But again, I mean, it's just I, I can't help but continue to go back to the Bears are in no better position than they were when this first started. And I would actually argue that they're in a little bit worse of a position. And the problem is is the Bears have a fantastic roster. They have a top, in my opinion, they have a top three roster in the league. But their one big weakness is still a giant question mark. And it's like, at what point do you figure that out? And it's just, I mean, we're not going to know for a while. But again, it's like every week we talk about this. Every freaking week we talk about this and nothing has changed and it's like at what point does it change i mean even if let me ask you this even if Eddie Pinheiro goes perfect for the rest of the, off, the the rest of the preseason these next two games luckily we've got two games over the next 7 days thank the lord for that so we're done with preseason let's just say he goes perfect in those i don't care if he's 3 for 3 or if he's 7 for 7 if he goes perfect there are you comfortable enough moving into week 1 as as him being the guy
1: um no but I'm also not comfortable with them um, trading for a guy, you know, like Sly or um, the kicker out of Indianapolis, just because I think you're you're going to give up something for him. Um, you're not. You're probably unless they sign him after he's cut, uh, which is I guess yeah, that's more likely. But still, I mean, uh, that's
2: unlikely because I mean you got to remember the Bears are what 24th or 25th on the waiver.
1: Yeah, that's another good point. So, I mean, it's it's just tough because I, I like I agree to your, I agree to your point that um, you know he did beat out Elliot Fry, a guy who probably wasn't going to um, wasn't going to win the kicking competition anyway. Um, but you know, at the same time, if they do bring in like a Sly or the kid from Indianapolis or um, one of Cleveland's kickers, I, 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 I it, Cleveland's kickers. That's uh, Austin Seabird, isn't it?
2: It's Austin Seibert and Greg Joseph. And they've, yeah, both, their kicking competition's been 20 times worse than the Bears have so far.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the Bears did talk to Seibert and um, the Combine, too. So, I mean, there's been some interest. So it wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't want to go that route. I wouldn't want to go any of those routes, to be honest. Because, you know, I mean, this sly kid could be really kicking well in, in uh, training camp. He's not going to make the team because Graham Gunnau 99% going to make the team unless he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you go that option, because if you go that option and they come out and they struggle, then you're kind of just in the same place all over again. It's not like – I mean, Sly's never really kicked in regular season games. Um, a lot of these kickers are available to have it, including Panero. So well, to be I'm honest, not- I don't feel comfortable with any either. I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable until someone is consistent during regular season games. I can live with two or three misses a year as long as one's not in a playoff game, but just give me that consistency.
2: So let me throw a scenario out. Let me, Well, actually, yep. let me throw two scenarios out for you. So the first one would be probably the easiest and probably the most logical at this point if Pinheiro is not the guy or maybe they deem him not ready. So let's just say they go out and they sign somebody like Matt Bryan or even Kai Forbath or a veteran. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. And then, you know, they're in a situation where because of the talent they have on the roster, they could probably stick somebody like Pinero you know, obviously, if Matt Bryant was signed, the dude's 45 years old. Like he's not going to be kicking forever. So maybe you put Pinheiro on the on the practice squad and you you let him develop. So that would be one situation. So I'm kind of, kind of curious to get your perspective on what you'd rather do. So that would be one. The other one, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just have a weird feeling. Just speaking of Joey Sly, I have a weird feeling that the Panthers could end up keeping uh, could end up keeping Sly in either trading Graham Gano or flat out releasing him. Now I know he's had some some health issues. I mean he he missed a few games last year and obviously hasn't kicked yet and I think they've been being over over cautious. But I mean go back and look at his numbers. Graham Gano has been a pretty damn good kicker when he's been with Carolina. So out of those two options, let's just say that you traded you know a conditional not even conditional. Let's just say a six or seventh round pick for a guy like Gano. He's still thirty two years old uh, because of the way the contract was structured, you have like a 1.9 cap hit, $1.9 million cap hit this year and then like a $2.3 million cap hit next year. I mean, that's it, not bad at all when you're talking about a kicker. Who would you – I mean, what route would you rather go? Because obviously I'm kind of in the same position as you. I don't think I really want to see another unproven guy. But if you're going the veteran route, how would you want to go about that?
1: Yeah, so it's just veterans between Gano and um, Bryant. Yeah. I'd I'd yeah. go Gano.
2: Okay. Now, see, I'm in the same position. I, I, I'm yeah. right there with you because I actually think Atlanta might end up re-signing uh, Matt Bryant just because. I, and I'm not going to tr- attempt to. Oh,
1: you're, act, I, the the Italian kid, right?
2: The, the Italian dude that was tr- with tr- well, that tr- was with. The, yeah, whatever his name is. Either way, apparently he's been terrible this preseason and during training camp so far. So, I mean, Matt Bryant may not even be an option. But I agree with you that if somebody like a Graham Gano was available, and we see this every year where. Veteran guys, and it doesn't always have to be kickers, although it was last year with Dan Bailey, um, that veteran guys will sometimes get released. And if it's if it's anybody like that, I would take a shot on Graham. I'm going to Why not?
1: Yeah. I, the thing about Bryant, man, is look, yeah, really good kicker. But, I mean, he spent majority of his career in, indoors, and that does matter. Like, I know, like, you know, they say swirling winds at Soldier Field. But, I mean, even in the road, too, because you look um, – the Bears this year they got you know they got some big road games. Obviously they'll be in the dome um, against uh, Minnesota and um, Detroit towards the end of the season because they have Minnesota and Week 17 and they have Detroit what Thanksgiving. But then you look okay. Not even talking playoffs because obviously that's going to be you know the big talking point. But you have to go to Green Bay in December. You have um, you have to go to LA and not really bad weather. Um, Philly in November never know um and then you have a bunch of games at home from you know uh october 20th to the end of the season and then and in that playoff game so yeah i I don't know man they're just in such a tough spot like it's just it's so frustrating and i know we share the same thoughts on this because it's like we're not like we both wanted panero we both thought panero would be the fit i I guess not wanted but we both thought panero would win the job but it's like even still like even if panero is the week one kicker until he shows consistency. I don't, I don't feel comfortable.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I think ultimately I think the bears, I mean, and and that's the thing is I've seen a few people criticize Ryan pace. It's like he was going to give up a conditional fifth round pick for a guy that's never kicked in an NFL game. And people are upset saying that he didn't, he didn't, he didn't go get his guy. He wasn't aggressive enough. It's like they offered a conditional fifth round pick. The, the Vikings gave up a fifth round yep. pick for a guy that they're using as a punter right
1: now like what? Yeah, he's been punting and damn bailey and him have been both been what bad
2: yeah well that's that, that's what i'm saying so it's like i mean obviously the bears viewed vedvik as their guy the vikings i'm sure it probably helped the fact that the bears were obviously in it um in terms of what they you know what they were offering and all that other stuff but it's like I'm not going to sit here and, and crap on Ryan pays for not going out and getting bed pick. I mean, what are you going to do? Give up a, a 2020 or sorry, a 2021, uh fourth round pick. I mean, for, for a kicker that's never kicked in a game. I mean, you can't do that either, but it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough situation. Unfortunately, we're probably not going to know until midway through the season, um, whether or not they made the right decision or they got the right guy. It's just, it's, it's a weird situation, but I will say if, if they do go away from Pinheiro, I, I think their best bet is going to be going that veteran route. I don't know who that's going to be, um, but I mean, at this point in time, I mean, you got to be able to bring somebody in. Mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Cairo Santos, uh, but I mean, he was decent with with the the Chiefs a while ago, so I don't, well,
1: don't know. Hey, a- and kind of not to cut you off on that topic. I mean, when he was brought in with the Bears, he still had a lingering hamstring injury. And yeah. that's what ultimately caused he he reaggravated it, and it that's what cost him pretty much the job. Because he was, I mean, what was he w- with the Bears? Did he how many field goals? Let me look it up really quick. I believe he attempted. I don't um,
2: think that often because it was like what was seven, two games, and then all of a sudden, then like Mike Nugent was the kicker. All of a sudden, it was
1: yeah, yeah, because it was it, it was like one or two games, um, Chicago, two games. Yeah, he was one of two. He missed from 50-plus.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, man. Kickers are weird, though, because, I mean, Kyra Santos was, like, a really damn good kicker. I want to say he was, like, top-five kicker in the league, and then all of a sudden he got hurt, and then they brought in Harrison Butker, and then all of a sudden Butker's been the guy, and, you know, it, you just, you don't know. It, but, again, I mean, when you're looking at the kicking situations around the league, I mean, you're not going to poach from Green Bay because you don't want Sam you're not gonna You're not going to poach from the Browns because the Browns are having worse luck than the Bears are right now. Uh, there's another kicking competition, and I'm kind of drawing a blank on. it. I want to say it's like Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh is kind of having a weird one too. It's is just, it?
1: Uh, what Tampa Bay's having one too, aren't they?
2: But Tampa Bay is, but Matt Gay's going to win that job. Matt, but that's the thing. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast right around the draft, and granted, neither one of us know how to evaluate kickers, but at least in my, I think in both of our opinions, Gay was the best kicker. I don't, I don't even understand why Austin Seibert was drafted. I'm an Oklahoma fan. I watch Austin Seibert. Like, you think Elliot Fry has a bad leg? <laughs> You, you haven't seen anything until you've watched I, Austin Seibert kick the ball. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't care if the Bears showed any in- interest in him at all. I mean, the guy's been inconsistent. I've been reading – because I've been kind of keeping an eye on him. I've been reading everything that's been going on. And kickoffs have been an issue for him. Uh, consist- I mean, he's been going, like, consistently uh, 4 of 6, 4 of 7, 6 of 8. I mean, it's just – no. That, that, they, they don't need to go that route either. So,
1: I uh... – I've actually kind of bring up this is kind of related, but um, yeah. So I'm gonna kind of do this new segment on uh the Bear Report, like with articles. Going to try to do them once a week, where it's like an early look at the 2020 draft and like kind of preview players you should kind of watch um, this weekend in college football. You know, maybe like so. Obviously, I think the Bears gonna be in the market next season. They might be in the market for a ty- for a, um, a middle linebacker if they don't bring back Trevathan or like a another safety defensive back. So I'm going to kind of like spotlight some players you should watch. I'm definitely going to have a bunch of kickers on the list. Just because even if Eddie Panera wins this job, I mean, they could be looking for another kicker next year.
2: Oh, this is never, never going to play. Never it's not.
1: Play. And, and, and look, I mean, look at this. Aaron, we've done 22 minutes now on kicker on this podcast.
2: I'm sure people are absolutely thrilled about that. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure everybody – but it's like, I mean, I mean, pick your poison, though, at this point. I mean, do you, do you want to talk about the kicking situation, or do you want to talk about a preseason game in which there's probably, what what would you say right now, what, three roster spots maybe up for grabs? Three, right yep.
1: three, three, maybe four.
2: Yeah, the Colts aren't going to play their starters either, so, I mean, we're going to just see backup quarterback, backup quarterback, backup quarterback. It's like, oh, my God, dude. Like, it just <laughs>
1: – <laughs> Well so- – Let's get it. Let me let's take our final break and we'll just spend like five ten minutes on that preseason game because there is there is a little I did want to talk about um for that game. So let's hit our last break and then we'll go right into that and wrap things up. Welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. We've had another big show talked about Charles Leno Jr.'s uh contract restructure. Um did talk about Kevin White being released by the Cardinals. And Aaron and I just spent about 20-25 minutes talking about kickers because it's not a Bear Report podcast episode unless you talk about kickers. That's the rule. Um, Aaron, there is football to be played Saturday night. The Bears are going down I-65 to Indianapolis, um, home of the Colts, the Pacers, and St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you ever get to Indianapolis, go to St. Elmo's. Great steak. Probably one of the best steaks you'll ever have. Um, yeah, uh, but there is football. we got to talk a little football here. Um, you know, today Matt Nagy did say he's same plan, not going to play the starters. No one's shocked. Colts came out today, said they're not going to play the starters. Um, and then actually Matt Nagy was asked if he, if, if he thinks he started this trend because now it, it looks like it's coming more and more teams in the league are not going to play their starters in that third preseason game. Uh, they're even holding them back a little bit in the first two. Nagy said he didn't start the trend. Do you see this trend just getting bigger? And, you know, with the CBA upcoming in a few years, will we see, in your eyes, do you think we'll see a, a cut of preseason games?
2: Well, I mean, Nagy's right. He didn't start the trend because Sean McVay started that last year. I mean, the Rams were, I think, the first team, I want to say ever, to not have any starters play at all in the preseason. I remember a lot of people being surprised and, and all that stuff. So, I, I mean, but when you're talking about the, the new CBA coming up, there is no way in hell that they should ever have four preseason games after this new season, after the old CBA expires. There's no way. There's no reason. I mean, I don't give, I don't care. I'm sorry. Like, I, don't, I simply have debated this multiple times with multiple people. I'm not going to change my mind. I don't care what anybody has to bring to the table personally, the, the, especially that final, that fourth preseason game is completely freaking pointless, man. You're talking about. That's the thing is people keep bringing up film, you know, game film. It's like, okay, well, they still have practice film. I mean, these guys have been evaluated. When you're talking about just roster valuations in general, they've been evaluated since the very beginning of May when rookie minicamp happens. They have rookie minicamp. They have three sessions of OTAs. They have another minicamp right before, you know, the the break before you go into training camp. You pretty much have a month of training camp and preseason. It's like cutting out one game is not going to make that big of a difference. And I think it's also... I think really what it comes down to is revenue. So I think it's really this simple: you cut out a preseason game, so you go from you go from four to three. You cut out that preseason game. You start the season, you know, a, a week earlier. Um, so let's just say the very beginning of September or whatever that would be, you know, or you know, last little bit of August, depending on how that all falls. And this this is how you get around the whole revenue thing: you put an extra bye weekend, which would probably be there anyway. You extend the season out one extra week. So you got all that television revenue where people actually care. you got all the fantasy football revenue coming in. You've got all these different things going on to where it's going to be. I think it's going to be a better product anyway, because I think especially if you put a bye week in towards the end of the season with a lot of these playoff teams, you're giving them an extra week to get some of these guys healthy. I mean, just think about it. Like with a guy like Eddie Jackson, for example, like if, if the bears would have had a bye week right around the time that Eddie Jackson got hurt, he probably would have played in the playoffs. You know, it's, and it's not, I mean, obviously that's a kind of a small example, but the, the point being is an extra week of rest. I don't think they should add any games on the schedule. I think it's perfect at 16 games. But if you add an extra week of rest, you get that revenue. You're not going to have as many games going on each week, which I think is fine to a, to a certain extent anyway. But again, you have that added week of revenue. You have another week of fantasy football. You have one less week of meaningless football. You have one less week of meaningless football where – where important players are going to get hurt because that also damages the NFL as well. So it's like, I I think it's personally a win win, but I don't think there's any way that the NFL can justify having a four game preseason slate moving forward because it's just simply terrible.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. 100%. I, I'm sick of the four game preseason. It's just, it's, it's rough. I mean, look at us right now. It's just like, we're talking about, essentially like you said three to four spots available last Friday's game against the Giants was brutal to watch um it's just getting to the point where it's like now that these coaches are doing this and holding them out I mean what's really the point you have your evaluation throughout training camp throughout all these OTAs these rookie mini camps all that stuff so yeah, I, I, you know, it makes sense to do it how you were explaining it, but since it does make sense, don't expect the NFL to do it because they'll make it as complicated as possible. Um, you know, moving forward into this Saturday's game, um, I kind of want to get your take on what you're looking for. Um, I could start if you want me to start on mine or if you want to go first. Yeah,
2: go, go ahead and start. You, yeah. You, you get to bring the gift of preseason football this time around.
1: So I'm not – I'm. You know, obviously the kicker. I think that would be on both of our lists, um, Eddie Panero. I want more – I want better special teams coverage. For the love of God, someone fill a lane correctly on punt returns. Someone fill a lane on kickoff coverage, please. I know it, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to make this team, but still, I mean, this is the problem we saw last season. The Bears were not good covering punts and covering kickoffs. And it all goes back to Chris Tabor, the special teams coach. You have to work with the guys that you have. Someone cover a punt and fill your lane correctly. Um, let's see. The other thing, I, I, I want to see a little more of Kareth White. I want to see a little more of Ryan Nall. Um, I'm not sold 100% that White or that uh, that Nall uh, will be left off the roster. If I had a pick, though, I'd say he's probably going to be stashed on the practice squad. I think he's got another chance to showcase what he can do. Um, and I want to see something from the tight ends. Zero targets, zero receptions, obviously. Last week against the Giants, some tight end, please, Ian Bunting, please just break out, make your case, get earn your roster spot on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, obviously the kicker situation I would agree with. The tight end situation I would also agree with because I mean you got your your top three guys, but it's like are you going to carry four? Or are you going to carry five? If you carry four, I'm sorry, but I haven't seen nearly enough from Bradley Soule to say yeah that guy needs a roster spot. Like he he earned it. No, he didn't earn it. He's a 30 year old converted offensive tackle that has frankly looked terrible even as a blocker as a tight end that's kind of what's blowing my mind a little bit like he hasn't even looked good as a blocker so yeah i'm right there with you ian bunning please come out the next two weeks and win this damn job because i don't want to see bradley Sowell on the field as a tight end i mean if, if they want to keep him in some other role that's fine but as a, as a tight end i think it's a wasted roster spot i think moving over to the deep side of the ball uh outside linebacker is a big one for me just because you've got your top three guys, you know you're not going to watch a play. But then after that, you got Isaiah Irving, Kylie Fitz, and, uh, oh man, I'm drawing like James Batters. Uh, I'm not going to count Matt Betts, and then I'm not going to count uh, Chuck Harris. I mean, those, those guys, they're Charles Harris, Chuck Harris. I don't know. Either one. It doesn't matter. They're not going to make the roster, so I'm not going to talk about it. But when the hell is Kylie Fitz going to do something? I mean, the dude is, like, I mean, at what point do you just finally say, like, maybe this guy is not good at football? Like I, I mean, I hate to be so blunt about it, but it's James Waters made that that play the strip sack where it's kind of almost Cleo Mack like, and he had another uh, he had another pressure as well. It's like, I mean, he's shown more in the one preseason game than Kylie Fitz has shown through two preseasons in and in an NFL regular season. So that's one position I'll be looking at. The other one's just going to be the young defensive backs. Uh, I. I mean, I think Kevin Tolliver is going to be fine. I mean, he's your backup there, a backup, and in then in the Nickel's going to be Duke Shelley. I think there's probably one more spot that's going to be open. I, don't, I think Steven Denmark, I don't think he's as hurt as they're saying he is, but I think obviously the plan is going to be for to put him on IR because just because, when we talked about this, just because of his size and his skill set and his rawness and all that, I think he's going to be somebody that even if he had no preseason film whatsoever, people are going to go back and look at his draft grades, and maybe he's going to be somebody that a team will poach just for his ceiling. So I think he's going to end up going on IR. The one I'm kind of interested to see is between – and I don't know if either one of these guys have made the roster – Clifton Duck and John Franklin. Those are the two guys I really want to see because they've both had their flashes. I think Clifton Duck has been a little bit more consistent as of late. But I think Franklin – I mean, he's a freak athlete. And I can tell you right now he can run a hell of a lot faster than Clifton Duck can. I mean, that kind of blew my mind. Like, how do you get chased down by – by a big receiver. I thought he ran... Didn't he run like a 4-3-5 at the combine?
1: He was pretty quick. Yeah, I was kind of shocked too because he did get run down. Um, he looked slow. I don't know if he ran out of gas.
2: Uh, Maybe. I don't know. But either way, those, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, really, we're making we're, we're making chicken salad out of chicken poop right now. I mean, if we're, we're being honest here. I mean, or, just, or duck. Or duck. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, here we are. This is where we're, we're, we're making... Honey, jokes because we don't know what to talk about with games that were we, we still got to sit through two preseason games before we finally get to the meat and potatoes. The good news is, by the time most people listen to this podcast, it'll be Thursday, which is probably when this is going to be released anyway. It'll be two weeks until the regular season. I'm that is that's what I'm really excited about.
1: Yep, two weeks and, and to kind of wrap things up with your uh, John Franklin Clifton duck point. I I thought Franklin had the better training camp. Uh, well, not maybe not overall, but he was. Towards the end of training camp, he was he was very strong. First preseason game, I thought he was okay, but yeah, he's been kind of trending downwards. Whereas Duck has kind of flipped it and it's now trending upwards. So we'll see. That might be one of the spots. Um, James Fowders uh, might be is another guy that you mentioned. Um, he did have the, he had the, actually had the pressure on the Duck um, interception um, in the uh, Giants game. So we'll see. yeah, Aaron right there we are almost two weeks away by the time you listen to this we'll be two weeks away from bears packers week one um and i'm just excited to have some real football stuff to talk to or talk talk about sorry not talk to talk about um yeah and we'll have a we'll actually have a special guest on to preview that game working on a guest for some betting stuff um do a good interview with that and uh yeah we'll have more to talk about aaron where can they follow you on twitter at And you can read his work on the Bear Report. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Pearson. Read my stuff on the Bear Report. Follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at BearReport. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be back next week to pre- actually preview, we'll recap this preseason game, the preview the final preseason game, the battle of third stringers between the Bears and Titans. Thursday night at Soldier Field and get you ready for Bears Packers. Till next time, see you guys later.